Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined as always by my childhood friend, Chris Dow. Adventure Quest! And my adulthood friend, Minty Booth. Video games. And we are discussing our all-time top 100 video games. This week we are discussing our number 76s. But before we do that, it is time, as always, for us to ascend Mount Quizamanjaro. <laughs> the score currently stands at 12.10 to Chris. 12 big points for Big Chris. Oh, I'm losing. So let's see if Minty can use the phone delay to his favour and <laughs> claw his way back. In Super Smash Brothers, your opponents are defeated by... A, increasing their damage percentage. B, unplugging their controller. Yeah. C, knocking them out of bounds. C. Fudge. And the point goes to Minty Boo. Oh, finally. Yeah, clawing it back. (laughs) Congratulations. You're now only one point behind Chris. So what have we been playing this week, guys? I'm still chugging along with Stardew Valley. I've just upgraded my coop. To a deluxe coop, so that I can not only have chickens and ducks, but also rabbits. Fantastic. Have any rabbit feet fallen off yet? I don't actually have any rabbits yet, ladies and gentlemen. What have you been playing this week, Chris? I played through the PlayStation VR game Accounting Plus Mm. the other night. It's really good. It's it's a weird kind of... um, I don't know. I suppose it's almost like a point-and-click style kind of puzzle game. Accounting Plus. Yeah, it's... Are you now qualified to do my tax return? I am, yeah. It's designed by a team that's headed up by Justin Roiland, who's one of the people behind Rick and Morty. Oh, yes. And it has a very similar abrasive, surreal, odd style of humour. It's a really weird, like, sort of an hour playthrough. People should just watch the trailer. It's really hard to explain without kind of just making it sound terrible. (laughs) Try. Uh, well, you are placed <laughs> in a room as if you are going to be an accountant. Uh, and then for some reason, the accounting is then said to be t- taking place within a VR world. So you place a, a VR headset on and then you just go through a series of odd kind of surreal scenarios with strange characters uh, that involves you bouncing from, from place to place and lots of people shouting and swearing at you. <laughs> Sounds awful. Yeah, exactly. There's no point. You, you need to just play it. But at the moment, it's a few quid. If you've got an evening this week, I would say it's worth uh, having a play while it's cheap. Myself, I got Resident Evil 4 on the Switch. I started playing that, and it was exactly as I remembered it, which is an excellent game. The controls took me a while to get used to because of the sort of fixed over the shoulder thing. Uh, so I died a lot by chainsaw and by pitchfork. Yeah. But then, unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, my play of that was interrupted by the DLC for Dead Cells coming out, which has just been so wonderful. My interest in Dead Cells hadn't waned, but I had sort of put it down for a bit and picked up some other games. But, you know, this has just thrown me right back into it. So not only does it introduce some wonderful new elements and addresses some balance issues, but there's also a, um, a whopping new vein of lore. Ooh, lore. Oh, dear. 
the game is just so good it is so good and now there's even more to do and it's just wonderful and again i i'm sure i'm just going to talk about this for the next two three months <laughs> i apologize in advance but it really is brilliant before we move on to the rankings we've had another question coming from the uh from the twitterverse oh, oh hello okay good evening reese griffiths has asked us what we think the best video game movie is Quite a timely question to come in. Obviously, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Detective Pikachu potentially being... The first good one. The first fairly decent video game movie. Yeah, yeah. Did anyone see Tomb Raider last last year, year before last? No, I didn't. Yeah, it was really dull. It was really (laughs) dull. What else has there been? What what other notable ones have come out over the years? Well, I'll tell you what my favourite video game movie is. Every time a new Mortal Kombat game mm. comes out, <laughs> I watch the story mode cutscenes on YouTube. Each game has like three hours of just a big old story where you follow like the different characters through this great realm spanning tale. And they're really great. I like them a lot. Have you seen the Mortal Kombat films? The actual Mortal Kombat films? Oh, God, no. <laughs> I absolutely loved them as a kid. Um, I used to get, get them out from the video shop. And uh, yeah, I mean... Awful. I mean, absolutely just gopping um, mm. with some of the worst CGI you'll ever see. What was his name? The four, four-armed... four He was the answer of one of the uh, quiz. Goro. Yeah, I mean, rendered in... I, I can't remember if it was CG or maybe even just a mixture of claymation. It was appalling. <laughs> and some terrible CGI. I remember seeing, like, Scorpion, his, like, spear coming out of his hand and going back. I mean, it was just terrible. Utter, utterly, utterly terrible. But so much fun. I actually quite enjoyed the Doom film. No. Um, oh, the one with... Um... <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> yeah, with the Dwayne Johnson rock. No, it's terrible. I didn't say it was good. I said it's I quite terrible. enjoyed it. Mainly for the first person bit, which was just absurd. Oh, no, no, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that it was it was good in any sense. I'm saying that it was quite enjoyable. I yeah. can't. I, unfortunately, I can't dispute that fact because I did quite enjoy it. I mean, the only other ones I can really think about the Resident Evil films I've seen, I, I hated. They, they were yeah, poor, hmm. really poor. I mean, I suppose you could sort of. Uh, not really classify it as one but indie game the movie is obviously about video games and things but yeah that doesn't count because it's not like an no. adaptation of, a, of an existing no. story i had quite high hopes for the assassin's creed film because i really liked what the director did with macbeth with fassbender as well and it mm. just it was it was uh, yeah that was quite poor and also <laughs> the prince of persia film i mean aside from just horrendous whitewashing yeah i can't even remember it i know that disney were trying to sort of queue it up to to replace pirates of the caribbean series and but i just work i think you know like i was talking about the other week with with detective pikachu i think the reason why it works as a film is because they've said how can we make a film in this universe as opposed to let's make this game into a film because there's a reason why when somebody came up with the idea for pokemon they didn't make a film they made a computer game. Yeah. I always hate the argument about like, oh, is the book better than the film? And it's like, well, it's different. And if you adapt it to work as a film, then you're going to have to change it significantly, probably so that purists of, of the book will hate it. And likewise with computer games, people like, some people be like, oh, you know, Uncharted would be such a good movie. And it's like, it's not. It's just a really cinematic game. So enjoy that hmm. and go and watch Indiana Jones, yeah. which is a good film. Yeah. I mean, Detective Pikachu, I think, is the best, objectively speaking, the best movie that has been made 
as an adaptation of a video game. Oh, I just thought of something that doesn't quite apply, but the um, the Castlevania animated series on Netflix is very good. Oh, that is that is superb. Yeah, that is absolutely superb. So not a film, but in terms of adaptation to scripted, you know, narrative things. I completely forgot that was a thing. I haven't seen the second series yet, but I loved the first. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, good shout, good shout. I mean, there's some there's some video game adaptations coming out. There is, of course, the Tetris film that is coming out. What are they doing with that? Because if, if they went into the history of Tetris, it's absolutely fascinating. Is it? Yeah, it, look it up. There's a graphic novel about it. And it's purely about kind of all the sort of backroom deals. People died in trying to get the rights for Tetris. There's all sorts of things that happened. Because if they went with that route, as it just being like Tetris is kind of a, the wrapper for essentially like a documentary about its history. Well, like the social network type film. Yeah, but if um, they're using it purely as in, here we meet Mr. L-shaped block, and I don't know, it'll be stupid. Yeah, well, apparently it is being adapted as a, a epic sci-fi adventure film, and um, <laughs> apparently it was going to shoot in China with a budget of eighty million, and it was going to be sort of world domination by aliens type effect. I mean, it's, it's just like why do a Tetris? Why do just do a just do an original? If you're going to remove it so far from the source material, then what are you, just what are you doing? <laughs> what are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm cross. Did you see um, David Bowie's son's Warcraft film? No. Was it bad? It wasn't bad. It just took itself far too seriously. Oh, I tell you what film is. Oh, I'd forgotten about this film because I often do. Dungeons and Dragons, which had bizarrely, I think it had one of the um, the Wayans brothers. <laughs> it was utterly shocking and and, and ridiculously. Oh, uh, uh, what's his name? From the Crystal Maze. Richard O'Brien. Richard O'Brien. I was, I was going to say Richard E. Grant. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the, that would have been very different. Uh, Richard O'Brien was in there and Jeremy Irons was, was Jeremy playing Jeremy Irons, villain. yes. And there is a wonderful, wonderful moment when I, I had the DVD on the, on the bonus features, a little behind the scenes bit. You can see Jeremy Irons is just just so appalled with himself for having done it <laughs> and he's being given the most absurd direction and there's this wonderful moment where he just throws his arms up and just screams it is my destiny and then they say cut and literally his face just drops and he just storms off the set <laughs> and it's just he's clearly just dead inside from doing it but yeah that's a terrible film utterly appalling but really quite good fun Oh, I saw Silent Hill as well. Um, that that's right. not that bad, the first one. Not, not a bad Is that one. with um, Cian Bian? Yeah, yes. only, yeah. His, only his like a bit role, but he is in it. And his pyramid head in it. The man with the pyramid head is in it, yes. Oh, we've also got the Monster Hunter movie coming out, which looks absurd. <laughs> Stupid. Obviously, we've got Sonic the Hedgehog coming. Well, that'll probably be the top when it comes out, I imagine. It's been delayed till uh, Valentine's Day next year now. There's obviously the Witcher TV series being made with Henry Cavill. Hmm. There's also a Minecraft movie, which initially Rob McElhenney, who's the guy that made It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, was writing and directing, and then they oh. had a, a creative differences and he's left it, which is a real shame because it would have been the only thing he's actually creatively got involved in other than It's Always Sunny. Yeah. Aside from doing some inexplicable cameos in Game of Thrones and Lost. Good trivia. Oh, Rampage. Did anyone see Rampage? No. no. I really wanted to see that because it was... Dwayne the Rock Johnson. The, yep, the Dwayne Johnson Rock mm. taking on big old beasties. And that sounds great fun. 
There's a Call of Duty film being made. There's Why? a Tom Clancy's The Division film being made. Oh, God. There's apparently, oh, Devil May Cry is... Oh, Devil May Cry is, is being made into an animated series for Netflix like Castlevania, so that might be all right. Yeah. There is an Uncharted film being made with apparently Tom Holland attached, but I do think that would be better with Tom Hollander playing Nathan Drake, which would be hilarious, <laughs> for he is only about five foot and he wouldn't be able to reach any of the cliffs. <laughs> yeah, a little beast to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a Halo film in development by Neil Blomkamp, wasn't there? Yes, yeah, that's who was doing it. And being produced by Peter Jackson, but that never never ended up seeing the light of day. Oh, there is a, there is a new Mario film being made, isn't there? Yes, there is. live action. Um, uh, the people who do like Despicable Me, Illumination, Illumination, yeah. yeah. Apparently, it's going to be a crossover with the Minions. Is it really? No, I made that up to make you angry. Christ. Honestly, <laughs> my my face, obviously, you can't see it because we're, we're just over audio, but I felt like every muscle in my cheeks dropped. <laughs> It'd be the worst thing. It'd be the worst thing. Yeah. So that does not answer the question of what is the best <laughs> video game movie, but it does answer the question, what video game movies are there? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> This has been another public service provided by yeah. our sense. <laughs> if you want us to look on Google for anything else, please tweet one of the three. And we'll be more than happy to do so. <laughs> so, moving on to the rankings. This week, we are starting with my game. All right, then. So, my game is a game that we have mentioned already in the podcast. It hasn't been an entry, but it has been a, uh, a, a, a touchstone for some other games. It is a Game Boy Advance game. Oh, okay. It could very well be described as the video game embodiment of anarchy. Love it already. Oh, I think I know what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is WarioWare. Yes! <laughs> of course. Uh, the original WarioWare on the, on the Game Boy Advance. For those who don't know what WarioWare is, it is a collection of what they term micro-games, essentially mini-games that you play for a second and you'll be thrown these uh, one after another and you've got seconds to react and remember what to do to pass the mini game and move on to the next one and you keep going for as long as you can and these games are the most absurd eclectic mix of challenges you will ever see ranging from trying to pick your nose trying to stretch a dog <laughs> trying to uh, <laughs> run away from some sellotape trying to uh, hit a baseball trying to catch a falling star and put it in your pocket trying to <laughs> trying to bury your feelings trying to outrun a bull trying to skateboard and jump over some uh, helpless ragamuffins trying to fly a paper plane oh yeah classic and all of these mini games micro games i beg your pardon all of these micro games had a real wide range of art styles it was just i mean there was no consistency across any of it and for that it was really really fun and it was incredibly silly as well i mean it was it was so silly it did not take itself seriously it it basically just went accept this this is <laughs> this is this is what this is go with it and if you do you'll have a great time I remember when it was announced and I was really disappointed because they said it was going to be a new Wario game. And the last Wario game I played was Wario Land 4, which I will talk about probably <laughs> in due course, <laughs> in the Junus, of course. Mm. And I was like, just mini games. That is what I call bullshit. I was livid. <laughs> and but then 
it's like I was saying earlier, like it's like if you've come up with a new new idea of a new, a new game, why 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 do you have to slap Wario on it? Why couldn't you just make it an original thing? But when you play it, you realise actually how well Wario the character fits into that style of games because he is you know a real sort of personification of anarchy yeah. but it's such a pure form of anarchy as well <laughs> but it's, it's it's quite incredible it sort of occurred to me that nintendo obviously created the the nemesis for their main character this kind of antithesis to their own ethos which simultaneously bolstered their own image of being really pure. <laughs> um, so so even, even in the opposite world, all Nintendo can come up with is a lovable scamp. So it was a perfect fit for this, for this game. We talked a couple of weeks ago about Rhythm Tengoku and the art style of that and it being very punk. And when I sort of realised what WarioWare was doing artistically, because it was so different to anything else I played, and also in terms of anything else I've kind of been exposed to in terms of any sort of avant-garde modernist art expression or anything that once i got into it i absolutely loved it and these these crazy characters had some mad stories to tell (laughs) and it was just great it was just great and it's interesting to think that obviously it came out in a time before mobile games were a thing and each of those micro games could very easily have been its own mobile game release in the way that simple games like flappy bird people just get absolutely obsessed with it's just a very simple thing and you do it and you try and get a better score and there was loads of those games in WarioWare which kind of had infinite modes like the paper plane one where you had to fly it down a, it's like a tower block in fact I th- think they did actually release that as a separate game on they did uh, the I- DSI where whatever it was called yeah a few of them came out as individual releases on uh, DSI yeah but even even some of the, the you know the smaller ones in kind of the main game if they'd have packaged that up as a mobile game now people would you know play that and just get obsessed with it and before you know it you know the creators having a having a breakdown and recalling the app and people are selling <laughs> their phones with it pre-installed on for thousands of dollars across the world for a while i wasn't sure which WarioWare game was going to be in my top 100 i sort of misremembered certainly WarioWare touched on the ds also i, I really enjoyed that and there was but there was obviously a certain element of tech demo-iness about it I think it did have a fair amount of games from the original WarioWare in it as well. And I sort of merged them together in my brain. Because there was WarioWare Twisted, which didn't come out over here. There was, yeah. It's very good. Mm. I imported it back in the day. And there was some sort of like import, something to do with the gyroscope or the rumble pack or something. And it was in, what's the word, contravention of some EU regulations. That's why I voted leave. Um, <laughs> I think it had mercury in it. I think I think it was something like that. It was like a component that they used to make the gyroscope, because it was very early tech then. Well, yeah, it sounds it sounds medieval. <laughs> Mercury. Yeah, this is this is uh, baroque technology. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised the artwork wasn't made of like monk's hood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a shame that that didn't come out. But I didn't play Game and Wario which was the Wii U release. It was bad. I didn't play WarioWare Smooth Moves on the Wii. It was quite good. (laughs) But I tell you what I did play, which was fun for a bit, was WarioWare DIY. Yes. That really did sort of tap in to some some of the stuff me and you used to make when we were kids, Mm, Chris, and some of those silly games. And you, you could do a lot of that sort of stuff. And my enduring memory of WarioWare DIY was... So I got this when I was working in game, and it was during a general election that was happening, you know, 10 years ago or so. 
I hadn't switched where I was registered to vote and I was registered to vote back home and I was living in Wales. So I basically had to finish my shift at game, get on a train, go down to Broadstairs, vote, get on a train back, go back to Wales. <laughs> I remember you telling me about that at the time. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, a 10, 10 hour round trip. Uh, and then I stayed up all night and watched the, the results come in. But yeah, but I bought WarioWare DIY to take with me on the train. And my uh, my friend Dan, who was my boss at the time, challenged me to make a mini game about my travels. So I had to make a little <laughs> mini game where you had to get on a train, get to its destination, vote and get back on the train again, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I did. And, uh, and I think that may have been actually the only game I made on there. But th- there was so much potential. But like it has been kind of with Nintendo Labo and the sort of the tools that come with that to program your own games and stuff i love the idea of it and i love to have the time to be able to do that and to make my own things and but i just don't and it's such a shame it's such a shame but WarioWare diy was a nice package whilst also sort of you know containing a lot of classic games and some new ones as well all in all WarioWare, ink micro game what was it called uh, i can't remember the full title it's got it a weird where WarioWare micro games inc or something maybe like, along those something lines like yeah. that I'm going to look it up so I can do it right. Research time! WarioWare Inc. Mega Micro Games! Exclamation mark. There we go. I tell you what, there's a lot of punctuation in that for a title. There there's is, a comma, yeah. a full stop, a colon, and an exclamation mark. That's as many pieces of punctuation as there are words. <laughs> I, I've played it through completely. That is uh, getting like the high score on every single micro game three times now. That doesn't surprise me. I did it when it when it came out back in the on the Game Boy Advance when we both had a cartridge back at school kind of at age. I played through it when it came out on the 3DS with the Ambassador program for those who bought the console early for a ridiculously high price. And I played it just last year uh, on an emulator but just because I wanted to go back and it, it hasn't aged a day. It can't do. No, no. It can't do because it's so simple and the art style is so eclectic that it's impossible for it to age. <laughs> what, what's amazing about it though is I, I think it... It came out at a time, like you mentioned, it's kind of, it predates mobile games. So it was quite forward thinking in that sense. But it did so much with the idea of you had to have an understanding of the language of video games to play WarioWare. Yeah. Because the levels you were chucked in with such a small space of time to work out what you're supposed to do. It's like it was for our generation that had grown up with games like since the NES, like since 8-bit consoles. So we understood like, okay, D-pad will make something move. A button will make something happen. It kind of taps into this thing that was just inherent in in our whole generation of us having played games for years and just said, okay, we're just going to subvert that 300 times within one cartridge. But <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it's it's wonderful. I've got such, such fond memories of, of WarioWare. So moving on, we have Minty. Would you please tell us about your 76th favourite video game? This is, a, this is a fun game. It's, well, I, know, I think it's a fun game, but I know that one of you two don't. In fact, I know that one of you absolutely hates this game. This is interesting. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you the title until uh, until I get to the end. Christ. So <clears throat> Save up my rage. Yeah. <laughs> Do wonders for my anxiety. Well, if you don't interrupt me anymore, then maybe it'll be over sooner. <laughs> <laughs> so in this game, you play as Talset Tanselenio the son of stone, protector of the lost land, as he cuts through the armies of notorious despots, the campaigner, to liberate the lost land and all who live there. I assume that's the plot anyway, because the game makes no reference to any kind of plot whatsoever. The only text you get in the game is your objective 
in the opening cutscene for the first level, which is just find the hub so you can get to the rest of the game. As you progress through the game, you'll find that enemies become uh, much more vicious. So, for example, if there was a, I don't know, a Velociraptor in level one, uh, in level four, there might be a Velociraptor with a gun. <laughs> and then maybe in level five, there might be a, a Dimetrodon. And then level six, that same Dimetrodon might have a gun on its back. And then in level seven, you might get a dragonfly that's as thick and as girthy as your thigh. And then in level eight, you, of course, get the fire-breathing T-Rex with a laser eye. What is this game? <laughs> Your arsenal grows at the same rate as the enemies do as well. So you start off with uh, maybe a knife or a bow and arrow. And by the end of the game, you'll have a portable fusion reactor, which you can just shoot out. <laughs> Okay, I've got it now. You can carry on, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a gun which, according to the manual, you'd end up with a gun that could make micro-tears in the fabric of space-time, which just translated to it shot a big blue beam and could make anything blow up. But even though you had these, these, these wild and dreadful enemies and weapons which could damage you with their splash damage from a grenade etc the most dangerous thing in this game a mid-90s first person shooter is the terrain because as it was a first person game in the mid-90s there was a ridiculous level of platforming that you had to do as well oh god it was my second n64 game oh, and i it. was terrible I at it, it when i was 11 so i'll play over and over with all the cheats enabled and I've just 100% completed the remake on the Switch with no cheats. It's Turok Dinosaur Hunter. I hate it. The other week, after we recorded, Minty, I said, oh, what are you going to do tonight? He said, well, I can tell you this, but I didn't want to say it to Chris because I'm actually going to go home and play Turok. I didn't want to say in the recording because I didn't want any of that bile to spill out until it actually appeared in my list. The reasons I dislike it so much, just obviously Minty has enjoyed this game. That's lovely for you, Minty, that you take fun from this. Thank you. You can't see where you're going. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sure the switch port helps a bit. Yes, it, it increases the draw distance tenfold. Yeah, because that in itself was impossible. The platforming that I meant that you mentioned. Last time I tried to play it a few years back, I was like, oh, it can't be that bad. Surely, I'll, I'll just give it a little go. It is. It's like on the first couple stages, I fell down the same pits forty times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and on top of that, the, the way it controls the N64 because it was so early on. Like when Goldeneye came out, it, it had its control schemes, like a whole selection of them, that everyone could find something which kind of just about worked for them. Mm. And and Turok had just like, this is what you've got. You're, you're going to just use the buttons in this way. And it feels so alien now that I, I just can't play it. I couldn't play it then. And I certainly can't play it now when I've had years and years of two analog sticks or a mouse and keyboard or whatever. Yeah, it's just, it's a hateful game. <laughs> I concede all of these points. It's, it controls terribly. It's, it's, I can't, I, I, I've got nothing to say back to it. it being serious though, that I do really like when games come up on this list where either it's something I have like weird memories of or, or unfond memories of, like, like Turok, that, you know, everything has a place. And, and like we were talking about video game movies and, and Dungeons and Dragons or, or whatever, stuff like that, it's perfectly possible for things to be really shit but still <laughs> enjoyable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that's quite nice that something can be 
objectively rubbish but subjectively enjoyable and there's i'm sure there'll be other games up this list for for any one of us that one person might really enjoy and someone else might go oh not not really feeling that but it is what it is and uh yeah thank you for sharing (laughs) so moving on finally we have chris hello what is your 76th favorite video game my 76th favorite video game conversely to what we've just said about Turok or Turok or Taraka Raka Raka whatever we're going to call it I can't pronounce these words they're made up all words are made up <laughs> exactly You're right this is a game that all of us enjoy I know that because we talked about it last week when you brought up Fantasy Life because my 76th favorite video game is Fantasy Life one week oh, within yours oh wow <laughs> how about that oh what a wow that's nuts. When you were talking about it, as soon as you started describing it, I was like, I was looking at my list at the same time because I normally have it up in the background. Yeah. And, and I was thinking like, this is, this is weird. And I, I found it really strange that, it, you know, it's a game that, like you mentioned, I, I recommended to you initially. Yeah. You recommended onto Minty. And I recommended it back onto you. Yeah, it's come, it's come all the way back around. But it's fallen within one number of, of me and your list, Jonathan. And I'm reasonably sure it'd be on Minty somewhere. Mm. Oh. Either way, it's, it's a game we've all enjoyed and played for a good amount of time. I think we can certainly say that. And it's it's a game that I beat when I was playing it. I'm, I'm doing kind of inverted air commas here because I know that you two rinsed it within a point of like wearing a hole through the cartridge. Whereas for me, I, I sort of, I've beat through all maybe four of the lifestyle pathways. I got through the main story. I did the DLC story. Uh, I had a go at all the other sort of job choices as well. But what I really loved about it is that it's a game I, I used to lose like several hours at a time to at the height of play. Yeah. And it's, it's rare that I do that with games. Like even when I'm really into something, I don't generally have these massive sessions. And checking in the last week on my 3DS, it said my average session time for this game was five hours. Wow. Oh boy. <laughs> that's, that's a big chunk of time to sit down and commit consistently enough to be yeah. in, in your little like ranking thing for, for the console. And knowing that when it came out, I was working a full-time job in real life <laughs> as well as my <laughs> jobs in fantasy life. So I, whatever it was about this game, I, I felt really committed to just driving through the checklist and, and kind of just being in it, as it were. And I mean, there's, there's no point going over like the story or the mechanics or anything, because you did that last week, you know, eloquently, if a little sleep deprived. <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> exactly. Instead, I, I tried to work out what I enjoyed about it so much personally. And I think a big, big part of it is that it's... I mentioned last time it being a really good mobile game, as in like a handheld game that you, you take with you, because the tasks are bite-sized, they're, they're really simple. It's got a really clear sense of progression, not just because it's got like a massive task list that you're essentially ticking things off, but because like the way you mentioned that it's got these like enemies like the dragon outside the main city or other kind of creatures across the world that you know you're not strong enough to beat at certain times, but you keep sort of chipping away at. So you kind of see this idea that it's like an indicator of your growing abilities or power or, or gear or whatever you've upgraded. And it's also, it's just really accessible. Like it's a game that I think almost anyone could pick up and get into quite quickly. And it brings together threads of games that I think we've all enjoyed, like having talked about in the past, like Harvest Moon, there's elements of Animal Crossing, there's elements of uh, like top-down action RPGs like Legend of Zelda. And the way the, the world is set out, there's, there's almost elements of like freeform Western RPGs like Skyrim and, and other kind of Bethesda games. Yeah. But most of all, like having thought about all this stuff, the, the crux of what really does it for me, like why I enjoy this game so much, is because it is repetitive and it's more repetitive than it is sort of deep. But I find like a real comfort to that. And I think that's what contributes to playing it for hours at a time. Yeah. It's like, I think there's a comfort in the, the world itself in the game being just big enough to feel expansive 
whilst also being small enough to be completely navigable without a map necessarily. You know what goes where. Yeah. And I think there's a real fine line to that in games, like like having things that are recognisable, having routes that you can kind of memorise. So you feel like you're actually, you are living through this place. You, you've got kind of an idea of what's there. And, and with everything in the game, there's kind of, there's just enough variety in enemy types. There's just enough variety in kind of ingredients or crafting materials, whichever things you need for your lifestyle choices. But it meant that you could probably become quite au fait in whatever career path you chose. So you, you got really into it without being overwhelmed by it. And a, a huge amount of games now I, I pick up and I'm put off really early because it's like, this is too big for me to play consistently enough to, to manage it absolutely that it's it's just as you get older you have less time to sort of sit down and play a game for five hours but games pop up and within the first couple hours if, you, if i haven't been taught everything i need to know then I'd, i'm never going to remember it <laughs> and and stuff like xenoblade yeah they're, they're amazing games and I, I loved playing xenoblade chronicles on the 3ds and xenoblade chronicles x but they're they're too big they are too big in terms of like the map in terms of the stuff you have to recall in terms of like the systems in play and all that sort of stuff yeah, it's, a, it's a real commitment yeah for fantasy life looking back like I've read reviews and I've watched people talk about it that criticise basically all these points as negatives but for me it was a game that was exactly big enough and engaging enough to, to be something I, I really really loved playing so yeah it's it's I don't know maybe it is like a, quite a vanilla release but it's, it's one that we all managed to put in hundreds of hours into by the sounds of it yeah I mean, I often find that with games like those pick up and play games, games that are designed for you to play in short bursts. They're the ones that I will play nonstop. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> really Dead Cells is a case it. in point. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's I mean, there's like, obviously there's a yeah. lot to it, but it's it's something that, you know, the essence of Dead Cells is quite simple and you've put 10 million runs into it now. So there we have it. Another three games, as always. Firstly, we had WarioWare Inc. Mega Micro Games. Then we had Turok, Dinosaur Hunter. And then we had Bloody Fancy Life again. If you've enjoyed this episode, or indeed if you've enjoyed any of the episodes, please do like us, subscribe to us, leave us a review, share us. We spread very thinly, <laughs> like cheap butter. So you spread us widely. We can take it. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook. If you search for Our Three Cents, you can ask us questions that you might like us to answer on a future episode. If you want to reach out to us individually, you can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Chaz underscore Hodges. I'm on Twitter at Minty Booth. And please do join us again next week for our 75s. Oh, that's the three-quarter mark. Boss fight. 75! <laughs> <laughs>